Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Sud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Salamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Where's my toast? It's the Gridiron Stud Show, Monday morning edition. That means weekend wrap. Oh, I just can't keep up, Emil. I don't know. I can't keep up. There's so many coaches getting fired. I can't keep up. This They're all the getting they were. fired. It's, yes. You know what? What is Some are getting fired. In the coaching profession. Yes. Some are getting tricked into thinking they're getting fired. But they're not <laughs> really getting fired. Yes, yeah, a real um, almost had it up there in uh, LSU. Les Miles saved, probably saved by his uh, one of his assistants, pre- previous assistants. Assistants. It's Monday, all right. You're gonna have to work with. Yeah, me I know. But I'm working with Jimbo you. Fisher. Probably saved Les Miles. Jimbo Fisher came out on Friday with an emphatic, "I am staying at Florida State. I am not going anywhere. I am not going to LSU." And I think that probably foiled. LSU's behind-the-scenes plans of landing Jimbo Fisher as their next coach. So with that in mind, an emergency meeting, an emergency meeting was held, and uh, it was held during the football game between LSU and Texas A&M, I'm being told, and in that meeting is when they decided that they would keep the Mad Hatter and uh, that he would continue to be the coach at LSU for uh, how long, we do not know. I'm sure if he rolls out another 9-3 and three season next year, we'll be doing this tap dance again. Well, wait, so. wait, 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 wait. How do you know he's staying? I mean, if you're him, right, he, he's going to put on a happy face because it, it, it's an SEC job and he currently has it. How do you know he, he behind the scenes isn't saying, you know what, there's 16 jobs available? Screw these guys. Which one of those jobs is, would he be going to? If you're one of those 16 programs, are you, are you hiring – Less miles, and let's be honest. Uh, some of those, you know, programs are not marquee enough. Let's just let's just call it what it is. So, of the marquee openings that are open, um, w- which one of those? Well, who does Georgia have in mind? I mean, they just fired a guy that won seventy-five percent of his games. <laughs> would you take less miles if you're Georgia? I would have taken Mark Richt. I told you that show, so I'm not sure. I know that, you know. but in, the, in, in lieu of the fact that Mark Richt is no longer employed at UGA, um, what, would you take Les Miles? So who are you going to hire, the Houston coach? I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess. They're talking Listen, Kirby all Smart. I know is They're this. talking Kirby Smart. I don't know what these two, by the way. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? They're talking Kirby, Kirby. Smart. That's what Maybe. they're talking about, uh, although there's also talk of Tom Herman, like you, like, uh, like you threw out there. It's going to be one of those two, it looks like. How did that other defensive genius, Will Mus- Muschamp, make out of Florida? I mean, just, just because you switch the coach doesn't mean the results are different. I mean, it's not oh, well, like Georgia stinks. But we I'm know saying, that, we're, but we're, at some point you do got to switch out the coach. Yeah, but what's annoying me with all this is we're, we're, we're acting like, you know, we're firing guys now that are actually, you know, by almost any metric, pretty darn successful. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to stink and get fired. Well, you know who thinks it sucks? It's uh, Nick Saban. 
Nick Saban on Mark Rick's departure. Here's a quote. I don't know what the world is coming to in our profession. Uh, Nick, you're probably the reason why some of these guys have gotten fired. I mean, well, Mark Rick yeah, is fired because he's well, not Nick Saban. Les Miles almost got fired because he's not Nick Saban. I just think the expectations are, are being set at these programs that aren't realistic. I mean, you and I every year have fun with this. We, we, we in the spring when we're bored, we start talking about we, you know we make up lists because everybody likes lists. We did our blue blood jobs, our whatever you want to call them, destination mm-hmm. jobs. Georgia's sure. a really good job. Don't get me wrong, but when right. Mark Rick got to Georgia 16 years ago. It was a solid program. I mean, they had Herschel Walker. They won a national championship in 1980. They lost a national championship game in 1982. Uh, There wasn't a lot of talk of national champions in between there. Um, They've had some good – they had good seasons. You know, they'd win their nine and ten games, you know, go to a bowl game. Good, 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 solid program. It wasn't Mm – Alabama or Texas or Oklahoma or USC or Notre Dame or Michigan or Ohio State. You know, I'm running off our blue blood list. So I, mean, I guess what yeah. I'm saying is, what what is your expectation there? It's not like you they had can't 12 have national, national championship expectations at Georgia in a talent-rich state, that, which is right think, next door to another talent-rich state. You can't think. Listen, Georgia's not Alabama. You can delude yourself into believing that, but they're not. Why not? Why so they're just Georgia, Alabama? They Why? aren't. Listen, it, you and I know, and, and you, listen, I know you're playing devil's advocate and you want to trip me no, up here. No, I'm not. I, I, I'm, that yes, is you, not what I'm doing here. Why is Georgia not Alabama? What separates the two? What? The because money, they're right the next to what? Florida. They're right next to Florida, who happens to have a great program. Matter of fact, they've yes. had three great ones. Two of them are still very good. Miami will someday find their way back. They're next mm-hmm. to Alabama, and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. They're Georgia. Okay, I'm just telling you. You listen. Uh, look, I'm not sold on that. Okay, uh, why can't well, Georgia be Alabama? If Nick Saban went to Georgia, uh, whatever year it was, he showed up at Alabama. Would you be saying anything like this? No, but isn't guess it what? about you Nick just, Saban? You're making my point for me. You know why Nick Saban went to Alabama? Because they're Alabama, and that's my point. In college sports, unfortunately, we're, I think we're about Nick Saban went to Alabama because Alabama needed a coach. At the time Nick Saban came back. Georgia didn't need a coach. They were doing we're, quite fine. We're 120 years Rick. in here, buddy. All these programs that happen to win, it, it, it's almost self-fulfilling over time. Now, in the short term, some will struggle, some won't. Duke basketball, they were good in the 70s and 60s before Krzyzewski got there. He turned them into a powerhouse, but they were good. North Carolina was always good. Alabama, Notre Dame, USC, Michigan, they were good. You're talking – I'm just telling you, in the short term, sure, you'll have – periods of 10 years where a program's not very good like Texas right now. But I just think mm-hmm. Georgia is being unrealistic. Sure, can they win a national championship? Absolutely. Do, should they think it's their birthright and because they're going 10 and 3, that's not good enough? They're crazy. I played for I an SEC championship Georgia, a couple of years ago. I think Georgia should have an expectation of national championships. But does that mean they should fire Mark Richt? No. Right. Well, that's you said it. That's what I'm trying to say. Do I think it's wrong to go into the season and say we we expect to win the national championship? No, because they're they're in the SEC East. They're one of the two or three teams in the SEC East that basically every year has a chance to win it, which means you're going to get to the championship game. So yes, can they think that every year they can win one? Sure. Should they fire Mark Rick with a seventy a point uh, seventy seven seventy four point five percent winning percentage or whatever it is? No. 
That's crazy to me. Um, should when when should he be fired? When he starts when, when, when he, he starts, starts losing, losing when record? he starts going six and six, seven and six, uh, you know, eight and six. They, you know, that, yeah, that's different. But this year they had injuries, they lost Chubb, they didn't have a quarterback. It's not like he's never developed quarterbacks. You can't say. Well, he never has a quarterback, but that's his fault. He had Stafford. He he, he had the kid uh, Murray. I mean, he's developed quarterbacks. This year he didn't have a quarterback, and he lost one of the best runners in the conference. He went 9-3. and three. Granted, he beat up on the soft part of the schedule at the end, but he did what he was supposed to do. He won the games. Went 9-3. and three. Uh, Well, apparently he's going to coach some, somewhere else. Let's talk about his last 10 years, okay? Let's just take a look mm-hmm. at this. The last 10 years for Mark Richt, 11-2, 10-3, 8-5, 6-7, 10-4, 12-2, 8-5, 7-6, 8-6, 8-7, 8-8, 8-8, 8-8, 8-8, 8-8, 8-8, 8-8, 8-8, 8-8, 
<laughs> That's what this thing is coming to, Emil. That's exactly what it's coming to. Uh, get your five years and then get out. That's hey, you really know, I've told you this flat out. I'm probably in about I, – no, I'm probably in the 50% on this one, probably the 50% because momentum's been building internally. But I'm I'm for keeping the coach at USC. I, I, why? You know what? Before Nick Saban was Nick Saban, he wasn't Nick Saban. I sound like Yogi Berra now. Urban Meyer wasn't Urban Meyer, and Bill Belichick wasn't Bill Belichick. Everybody had to start somewhere, and they weren't a Do hot you name. start – at USC is what I'm saying to you. I'm telling you, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm telling you that right now. That whole Helton at uh, USC, the interim guy getting the job, just don't think it's a good idea, my friend. And I'm going to stick by that. Maybe I'll have to eat those words. I just never have liked that whole idea. If he gets the telling job, you, I'll say this. Here's what I think would go down. Similar to the Illinois situation, I think it would be a two-year contract, where basically it's like, listen, you've, you've done well, but you've got to well, prove your bones. It really there. smells like a prenup, doesn't it? It does, but you know what? Sometimes you got to you got to protect your ass too. I mean, at the end of the day, I agree with what you. You know, it's tough to find out at that job. But I'm also one who believes instability. I mean, Mike Tomlin's first head coaching job was the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers. Okay, one of the three or four marquee franchises in the NFL. He was okay. And what was he? What was what was he, Emil, before he was uh, uh, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers? A hot defense coordinator. coordinator. It was a hot coordinator. So, but what I'm all I'm getting at is sometimes people will thrive in a job. The Steelers have been a a franchise that have gone out all the time, and they've hired three coaches in the last basically 50 years. Every one of them was a young guy in his 30s. Sometimes you can do that, and all I'm saying is stability to me, as long as you have competence, is almost as important. Okay, you got to have competence. If a guy can't coach, he can't coach. But I like stability. I think this whole let's rotate things every three or four years, it's it's not a way to win. In my, you know, just sorry, that's what I think. I just don't think a change well, in the coach every. It, it's worked in some places. It's really, it definitely has. has. It has. Yeah, it's worked in some places. And so, um, you know, you, a lot of these people got to pander to their fan bases. And if the fan base and the media and all that and the board of trustees, because that's who runs these big-time college football programs, those board of trustees say it's time to go, guess what? It's time to go. So uh, just looking at things here, in the SEC, uh, double-digit win seasons over the last 10 years. Obviously, Alabama is your leader with that. They've, won, they've had double-digit wins in eight out of the last 10 seasons. Second on that list is LSU with six out of the last 10. And uh, uh, running third on that is Georgia and Florida. Both have five double-digit win seasons out of the last 10. South Carolina is also four. Um, looking at this list, I just named off – what did I name here? Five schools, was it? Yep. Uh, one school almost fired their coach. The other school has fired their coach. One of the the other school, two of these schools have fired their coach, and the other school that's not part of that list uh, is in their first year with their coach. Right. So I don't know, double digit wins. I just stuff that in that conference, it just doesn't roll like that, Emil just doesn't roll like that and I, I think we're just going to have to get used to it uh us old guys maybe we can go sit up in the balcony like the two old dudes during the muppets remember them guys 
Just yeah, but you know there. what? We don't have to like it. Hey, it's their team. I'm just we're we're doing commentary on it. I just don't think I don't think it's going to change much for you. I think, as a matter of fact, if anything, I think it might set you back unless you just step in it and you get lucky. Yeah, um, pretty amazing stuff going on. Another guy who's uh, fired himself, and that's Kobe Bryant, finally calling it quits. Uh, and this is and this is 20th season. Uh, announced yesterday through a poem, by the way, uh, on the Players Tribune. <laughs> uh, the, probably, yeah. Kobe being Kobe, um, doing things differently as always, uh, in a poem announcing that this will be his final season. Do you think this? Do you think this was truly his own decision, or do you think Kobe somehow was pressured by all of the talk um, around him and in the media into making this decision? Well, I mean, I think it's kind of like Sap said on the show last week. You know, maybe at one point he watched some film and realized he didn't want to watch himself on film anymore. I mean. He's a smart guy. I mean, Kobe's no idiot. I mean, you know, right now he's averaging, what, 15.5 points a game. I don't even know. I'm going to look it up right now. His shooting percentage is probably as low as it's ever been. His field goal percentage right now is uh, 30%. The guy who's a lifetime 45% shooter from the floor, he shoots 33% from the three-point arc in his career. He's shooting 20%. I mean, you know, he can see that, you know, he's not even close to what he was. So maybe it's time to just step away. He's 37 years old. He's done. He's won, what, four or five championships? I lost five. Count. Five championships. Yeah. He has five yeah. rings. So, does, you know, so what's left? You know, Do you really I want to tarnish really, your I, legacy? Yeah, I, I'm not, I truly think it was his deci- decision. Um, I do, too. I think he, yeah, you know. I, I think he probably – let me put it to you this way. I think it was his decision. I think he was pressured into the announcement. And uh, for Kobe, I think it's great that he did make it prior to the end of the season and not, you know, go out the way you want to go out, you know, uh, the stand-up, the chairs and everything at, at you know, when you go to the uh, away stadiums. Um, he deserves that. And so I'm, I'm glad that he did it this way and didn't, you know, do it in some kind of hastily fashion or after the season was over. He deserves to go out that way. I, I, don't, I don't know if you agree with that, but. Yeah, well, no, uh, I, I like I like I like him as a player. I thought he was always a classy player. Listen, I I think the Lakers, if anything, I'm not so sure what their feelings are because, as someone who you know, when I follow the NBA for the playoffs, I'm a Mavericks and a Laker fan. I like the Lakers because they're from LA and the Mavericks because they're from Dallas, and you know I like Cuban. So the Lakers are a disaster. I keep track of them. There's not mm-hmm. much to sell there if you're the Lakers. So if you're the the franchise, I'm not sure they're thrilled about them quitting. Because what do you sell for next year? I'm sure the, it'll help their cap a little bit and, and all that stuff. But, I mean, they're well, a good disaster. God, man. You had to have somehow, some kind of way, been preparing yourself for this day. This doesn't really slap you in the face. And if you've been at all paying uh, attention to the Lakers over the 14 games that they've played thus far, sitting at 2-12, and 12, um, you should have absolutely known that this could come down at any moment. So um, to be sitting here unprepared says more about you as an organization than anything about, you know, Kobe Bryant. But, um why well, not see the Lakers come, man. Magic retired. <laughs> yeah, you know, Magic retired. Kareem retired. You know, Wilt retired. Just, you know, get this thing right. Get the next Kobe well, Bryant in there or whatever. Let me give you a great line. Hire Mark from Rick. The movie, from the movie I encourage everyone to see, if you like sports. I went and saw Creed, I told you, over the Thanksgiving Day weekend. You going to tell me that the, movie's legit? I like it. The young guy says to Rocky, he says, well, if Apollo was the best ever, how did you beat him? Well, you know, time. Time's undefeated. <laughs> it caught up with him. <laughs> is that, is that basically, 
That's it. I mean, it really time is. is undefe- time is undefeated. Time is undefeated. Up with everybody. Is perfect record. Time will never get fired. Uh, the way Mark Richter is, who's currently conducting his uh, post-firing press conference right now as we speak. We're going to take a break. There was some actual on-the-field action that went on this weekend, both in the college and the NFL ranks. Amal and I will uh, dissect that stuff, go through it with a fine-tooth comb. We'll do that more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Yeah. Yeah. Halloween. Taliban. Taliban. Yeah. Jump in, jump in, jump in. Them boys up to something. 10:22 here on a Monday. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. Weekend wrap up. Let's slide over to the NFL. They're uh they're not firing coaches over there, are they? Oh wait. The Miami Dolphins, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? What are they, they fire doing? Fire their offensive co- What are they doing, Emil? What are they doing? They fired the offensive coordinator today. Why? What, are you, what for what? I don't know what they're doing. I, I mean. You scored, yeah, listen, the Jets scored 38 points yesterday. They scored 38 well, points. Who got fired again? I think at, at some point, if you're the Dolphins, I think you just keep firing people if you're the GM until the owner realizes you're the problem and he fires you. And then at some point, the owner realizes he's the problem. You know, Pardon? Uh, who, who made that decision, for crying out loud? Ryan Tannehill That's yesterday, be. okay, Emil? Ryan Tannehill, 33 of 58, 351 yards, three touchdowns. All right? Now, granted, uh, this is a cause for concern. The Dolphins had all of 12 rushing yards. That's a reason nine, he said. Nine attempts. Okay, do you think that might have, might have contributed? Maybe. Just maybe. Uh, I mean, I've been warning people about this for quite some time. You don't want to run the rock. But here's hey, the but thing. It's the a quarterback league. Half was only, it's a quarterback, the score at it's half quarterback was 14 nothing. It was 14 nothing Jets at half. There's no reason. No reason. 
that you should only have nine rushing attempts in that game. It's not like the Jets jumped on you and it was 28 nothing in the first quarter and you're playing catch-up trying to, you know, get in the game where you could say, well, we couldn't run the ball anymore. We, we, we just, you know, we were down 28 nothing in the first quarter. You were down 14 nothing at half. These ego OCs are going to learn, okay? Um, you want to prove to everyone that you're some kind of a genius, and apparently, Emil, the only way to prove that you are some kind of a genius offensively is to throw the football. How about that? Like, well, yeah, you know, you, you, the Sean Payton thing, they call him a genius because he could throw the ball around. How come that is the only way for you to be a genius offensively? Someone help me with that. I don't know. Some, somewhere we forgot that the the object of offense is to win games, score points, and and you know control the clock, all those good things, and 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 not necessarily the the amount of points dictates if you're a great offense, but how you go about running your offense to control and win games. I mean, that's the way I look at it. I don't think necessarily, to me, you could score a lot of points and and not necessarily be the greatest offense in the world because of sure. the way. Your team plays. Now, I look at the game last night, okay? What made the the Broncos, you know, or what, what helped them win that game? They ran the ball. I wouldn't know, Emil, because it took me almost nine hours to get home from Gainesville yesterday. Can you believe that? Okay, Good. fair Four, enough. Eight hours, you ruined but that I missed segment. It. Next. Next. <laughs> you tell me. You tell me what the they hell ran went the on ball. that game because I, they I ran get the ball. home. Matter of fact, they Is won the game happened? on a running play. Yeah, they ran the ball, man. They ran. They were. Yeah. They, they pounded the rock, as you like to say. They uh, pounded um, the rock. Listen, it, it it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be all run. It doesn't have to be all pass. It shouldn't be all of either. But these guys want to come in and throw the ball around and nine rush attempts, fifty-eight pass attempts. You had sixty-seven snaps, and that's how you chose to divvy it up. Really. Well, yeah, people people mistake when when you and I talk about running. I mean, it's not like we're saying let's go run the wishbone again. I mean, don't mistake. I mean, you have to be able to throw the ball. But here's the thing: Denver last night threw the ball. They had 74 plays. They let the, the young guy throw the ball 42 times, but they also took the time to run it 32 times for 179 yards. And I'm going to say that the reason that the young Osweiler was not the train wreck that Sapp thought he might be against Belichick is because of the success mm. they had running the ball. I mean, now On it's a whole f- different game. Play action works. You can do different things to not put your quarterback in a position to get himself killed. And that's what Denver did last night. I've been saying this, okay, and uh, I don't know, maybe people think I'm loopy or whatever, but I've been paying attention. And yes, the New England Patriots have been kicking some tail and taking some na- and, and taking names. But I'm telling you, I'm watching this team unwilling to run the football, and I promise you it's going to come back to bite them in the rear end, and it did last night, 16 rush attempts in a very tight ball game, uh, one in which they had a lead for the majority. Am I not mistaken on that? They were up 21-7 at one point in the third quarter of that football game. They had a a 21-17 lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, 16 rushes in a game like that. Um, it's going to come back to bite them. I want to see what the answer is going to be uh, off of this loss. Uh, knowing them, they might come out and run the ball 30 times uh, next week, but will they stay with it? And if they don't, I'm telling you, they're going to get in a playoff game, or they may get all the way to the Super Bowl, and it's going to come back to uh, bite them in the rear end, as they say. I'm looking at the well, Carolina Brady was Panthers getting knocked now around in that Bills game. Do you remember the Bills game about ten days ago? He got he took ten. There've been, been a couple of games here in the most recent 
history here where they've had some trouble. And it's been that. And people are just going to find a way to get to you and cause turnovers and cause sacks and everything else if you want to keep dropping back there all the time. The Panthers, who are now the only other, uh, undefeated team in the NFL, in their game, uh, now granted, they had, a, they had a sizable lead in the game. Um, mm-hmm. But here's the difference. They go out and they rush the football 37 times in their game against the Dallas Cowboys. Right. So, um, you know, you find that running game, especially when we get to this time of year. Was it not snowing last night? It was snowing. Yeah. It was, Throwing the ball all yeah. over the place for it. So, um, no, was, you were I'm watching with, it, I'm with you. I don't, I don't understand what he was doing. I mean, I, I, to me, that was a perfect game to mix it with a little run. They had the lead. You got a 14-point lead in the third quarter. You got a young quarterback for Denver that's going to have to play from behind. Make him do it in a hurried. Make him do it in a hurried fashion. You know, run that clock. Run that clock down. You know, you know, get first downs. Let Brady throw the four-yard pass on 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 third and four, or third and three to get a first down. But stay in, stay ahead of the sticks. They were dropping back, turning first and ten into second and ten and third and fifteen, and it was you know just not Patriot football. But the Patriots have been doing this. You've been saying this. Listen, until last year, and somehow they did this. They got a running game at the end of the year. For 10 years, they've in between their Super Bowls. They basically went to this, let's show everybody how good Tom Brady is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Five wide receiver sets. Let's throw the ball around. Um, and listen, did it help build their brand? Did it help um, you know, Tom Brady with a me- meteoric rise to popularity? Sure, it did. But um, at the end of the day, they didn't bring home the trophy for for about a decade right there. Nope. So, so you know, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what to make of it. I think there's just a lot of teams in this league. Right now, I mean, I've seen, like I said to you last show, I've seen pretty much enough of all the teams to say, and it's it's kind of funny, I can't believe I'm saying this with the receivers they have, but I still think Carolina is the most complete team because they, they're strong on both lines. They have a quarterback that can win a game, in many cases almost by himself, um, and, and they're just playing really confident right now. I mean, if they were to play New England on neutral field right now, and I'm not just saying this after last night. I would have said it before the game. I really think Carolina is the best team in the NFL right now. Oh, well, I think that's probably clear right now at this point. Well, let's just see how that holds on. Let's talk about some of the stuff that went down on the field yesterday. I uh, wasn't obviously able to catch most of it, but I'm a guy that pays attention, listened on the radio, so as much as you can get from radio. You remember, there was once a time where radio was the way you you uh, caught up with the NFL. You, well, you can, you, can, you can get a lot from radio. I mean, you understand enough about the game to follow more, it on the radio. It's more descriptive. Uh, I will start with this. First of all, I went 0-3. I should probably stop picking NFL games. has not worked out for me at all in recent history. It's just been tragic. Um, and because stuff like this happens, the Houston Texans go out and beat the New Orleans Saints 24-6. to What is it with the Saints? Is it that they just don't like grass? Um, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. What do you mean this stuff happens? I told you that was going to happen on Friday's show. I took Houston. I think you shot in the dark there, pal. I didn't shoot in the dark. Here's the thing. That, that coach in Houston, Bill O'Brien, he can coach. I mean, people forget he hasn't had a quarterback there. And he's been... The team's been pretty good. I mean, I, think I thought he's go good with those seven. quarterbacks. I thought he's good with those quarterbacks. Why can't he get these guys to play right? Well, it's not that. Listen, Hoyer went twenty-one to twenty-seven yesterday for two hundred five. They ran the ball as well. I mean, he did get them to play right. The point of it is, We're Hoyer's not never going to like be that. Are, are we? Are we trumpeting numbers like that? 
Well, Hoyer's never going to be Drew Brees. The point is he's winning with nothing at quarterback. You give that guy a quarterback, watch out for Houston. And Houston's defense right now is playing very well. Seriously. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do right here. Look, I'm going to do a little end run for us here on this segment. Uh, We're going to go through this thing game by game and give our little synopsis on it. If it happened to be a pick of yours, and this was one of them, you can go ahead and chuck it up there. At the end, we'll summarize how the picks went because, quite honestly, Emil, I don't even know how you did yesterday. I'm hoping it was good. I know it had to have been better than I. Uh, so knowing that you won this game, you're already ahead of the game on me. But let's uh, okay, let's just what's do the that next way. Any objections? Talk about? The no, Vikings and the the Vikings and the Falcons. All right. Um, uh, our man Sap said, you know, Thanksgiving would let us know, and the Falcons have taken a strong, deep, deep nosedive. Three straight losses for them. Four of the last five are L's. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, but I'm I'm really liking this Minnesota Vikings. Well, you know what? They've lost four straight. Sorry about that. Five of the last six are losses for the yeah. Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I like this Minnesota Vikings team. I just don't know what happened to them against the Packers. Well, yeah, I like I like the way they're playing too. Uh, they ran the ball for almost 200 yards yesterday. No surprise when you have Adrian Peterson. They know what they are. That's one thing I like about them. They understand that. Listen, we're not going to go and light the scoreboard up unless it's you know we're turning the other team over. Basically, we're a team that plays really good defense, we run the ball, we'll play a game in the 20s. And that's what they did here. 20 to 10, ran the ball for a couple hundred yards, got three turnovers from from uh, Atlanta, a fumble and two interceptions. That's the way the Vikings play. Uh, you know, that they, their quarterback stayed clean. He wasn't sacked the whole game. And they just they grind out a win. It might not be pretty. It might not be exciting for people who like to play their fantasy football but uh, you know that's the kind of team that can. I mean, running backs are big. Um, running backs are good plays in fantasy football too. So people should really open their eyes up to that. Uh, I, I, you know what? I like Minnesota's chances because they're going to play at home uh, at least one game, and and, and I I kind of I would like them in a game against Carolina. I I, I like their chances better than uh, anyone else right now in the NFC. Well, they I think they would be most. That they would provide the most difficult test for Carolina because of the fact that they, I think they would be the one team that would be physical with them in the NFC. Yeah, it uh, seems like the team most able to do that. You text me during this game, and all I could do is hang my head. Uh, I don't know if Jeff Fisher is going to be able to last in St. Louis. The just uh, You've had the talent there. You've had... What I believe is a defense that could, uh, if they had any help from the other side, could be considered one of the best. Uh, and they just can't reach that because, they, like I said, they don't get that help. Four straight losses, and uh, this is the second out of the last four that's double digits. I mean, they got completely handled by Cincinnati. Can Jeff Fisher hold on to that job? At some point, you know, I think I think the GM's either going to have to get rid of Fisher or, or he's going to get himself fired because, you know, you look at this team, I mean, they just – you know, every once in a while they'll step up in class and surprise you. So I think that's what keeps Fisher hanging around there because they say, "Well, wait, you know, we've gone to Seattle and beaten Seattle." But when you really look week in week out, they're a very inconsistent team. They lose some games they should win. Games like this where you know you at least expect them to be competitive, they get absolutely throttled. So I mean, I think this might be the end of the line for, for Fisher. There, they're probably if I'm need- Jeff Fisher and I make it through this season, I go in there and pound the table. I either break clear off someone's desk, I break some glasses around there, I threaten someone, I grab someone by the shirt collar, and I demand that we draft the best quarterback possible or get someone in here who can play. And if you don't like the way that I'm acting in this office right now, fire me right now. Either you get a quarterback or you know get rid of me. 
That's what I would say. Enough is enough already. You've got a running back. You've got a defense. You've got decent playmakers on uh, at the wide receiver position. It's not out of this world, but decent. Uh, I'm sick of try- I'm sick of coaching a team that doesn't have a quarterback. So I think if I'm Jeff Fisher, I go in there and completely lose my mind. Yeah, I don't know if you could lay this on Fisher. I mean, here's the thing. He, he, it's not like he forgot how to coach. He won a lot of games in Tennessee with the Titans when McNair was there. Uh, you know, came within a yard of beating the Rams, who were heavily favored in that Super Bowl. Um, one one playoff game. So I mean, the guy obviously, when given the weapons, can coach. I mean, it's hard to overcome what they've had at the quarterback position. Think about it. They had Sam Bradford there, who was a walking injury. He was never on the field anyway. Then, and then mm-hmm. they've gone to this combination of what Case Keenum, and I know you like him, but still, it's you know he's not an established NFL starter. And Nick Foles. Sure. I mean, where are you going? Yeah, uh, I mean, no one, no one big time there. And so you had Foles and Mannion play yesterday. Mannion played. So uh, they're 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 the they're from Oregon State. Is he from Oregon State? Yes, yes, he's oh, the guy okay. from from Oregon State. Uh, that was one of my picks yesterday. A doozy. I took an L on that one. Uh, nine points, eight and a half, nine points. Not enough for the Rams. No, we have to go get blown out, and that's what happened. We're sliding over. Uh, I thought the Bucks could do something here. I think this was one of your picks, Emil. Uh, this is my I, one loser. Oh well, God, you went two and two and one. I went appreciate two and you one. doing that here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Sure. We needed that. Uh, nevertheless, um, I was with you on this, but man, you can't doubt the forty-year-old. Four and O, oh, the forty-year-old Hasselbeck. I mean, should well, should and here's get what I will say: forty years old. Where I'll give where, where I'll give some credit, though. You know, people are making jokes about that his age, but here's the thing: he was a very successful quarterback. Uh, in this league for a long time, so he knows how to play the position. And for a few weeks, he can do this kind of stuff. And that's the big difference. You know, you'll you'll have somebody call or or hit you on Twitter saying, you guys just said the Rams can't win, but they have Foles, and the Colts are winning with Hasselbeck. Hasselbeck's been to the Super Bowl, man. <laughs> Hasselbeck was within a, 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 a few a, a plays of winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah that's a big difference between Nick Foles and him. Yeah. Hasselbeck's looking at Kobe Bryant today and shaking his head like, dude, 37, really? Uh, But here he is. (laughs) He's out here getting it done. Uh, Matt Hasselbeck, folks, 4 and Winston, by the way, looked looked his age in this game. I I watched a big chunk of this game, uh, the the late third into the fourth. He looked like Um, a rookie. Yeah, he looked like a rookie. He made some plays that were just very – I mean, it's it's reflected in the final score. I mean, they were up 12-6 at the half. They didn't score any points in the second half, and you know, it's it's not for lack of a running game. Martin had 97 yards on the ground. Um, he just made some throws, and the, you know, the Colts kind of baited him. Um, and, and instead of taking what they were giving him in front of him, he was trying to make throws down the field, and you know, threw through some bad incompletions, missed a few guys. I saw one where Mike Evans was open. He just overthrew him. Then he threw a couple picks. So it was just it wasn't it was a rookie game. That's all. I mean, I think Tampa Bay is still a team on the ascent right now. It's just they had a bad day. The Colts mustered a win uh, with 27 yards rushing, so there you go. There you have it. Uh, sliding over to your favorite division, that is a tragedy right now. The NFC East, who expects Washington to go beat New York Giants yesterday? Uh, but that's exactly what happened. 20-14, to 14, they walk away winners. The uh, first placed, if you could even use that word, in the uh, NFC East is now your Washington Redskins with a 5-6 and six record. Uh, do you have any comment on this? What is that? Uh, I kid you not, and I wish I could get the guy on the show, one of my best friends in the world. He's a Redskins fan. In September, when Romo and Bryant both went down, I was watching a Redskins game. 
I text him, your Redskins have a very good chance of winning the NFC East. He came over to my mm. house a few weeks later with his wife and proceeded to laugh at me. He said, mm. you, you remember you texted me that? I said, listen, the NFC East is a tragedy. Let it play out. So I sent him a text yesterday. I said, does it seem that funny to you now? I think yeah, the Redskins are uh, going to win the division. I do. I think that whole, they got two I games with Dallas, division. which – well, look, at they got two games with Dallas, and they get the benefit of Romo won't even play. They're going to face Matt Castle. So what looked early in the year to them like perhaps two losses might look like two easy wins here. Amel, the Redskins can't win that division. You understand that? That cannot happen. I will tell you this. Second best home record in the entire NFC are your Washington Redskins. They're doing a good job of winning when they are at home. Five and one. Second only to Carolina, obviously, who's six and zero oh at home. So... Um, I mean, get them at home, and they're and they're hell. You can't beat them at FedEx. So that means they're all five on the road. That doesn't bode well. But they are playing the Cowboys at home. I believe it's at home on Monday night. Is it at home? Is it in Washington? The Cowboys? No, the Redskins and oh, uh, Cowboys. Is that? I think they're at home against the Cowboys next Monday night. Do a, I can do a quick check on that for you. But uh, if it is, then your Cowboys. They are. Can go they ahead are. And take so the, you know what? How would you like to be um, Monday Night Football the last the next two weeks? Tonight they've got Cleveland and Baltimore, which is an absolute who, disaster who of a game. Who did that thing? Yeah, who did I that? I don't know. Thing? You'll be watching reruns of whatever you like, like Seinfeld or something, or the first 48. You, uh, most I people aren't I'll watching that game. I think I'll crank up Homeland since I missed it last night. I'll go crank Homeland up and find out what's going on there. I think that's what I'll do. So. Yeah, yeah, nobody's watching. And next week's not exactly a great game. I mean, come on, the Cowboys are three and eight, and you're you got you know some guy with a porn star mustache playing quarterback against the Redskins. <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh, Sunday nights have been the place to go for for a good prime time. You know, off the off the you know off the regular sure. time game. You know what I mean? Sunday nights has been the winner. All right, sliding on Oakland and Tennessee. Uh, I don't know. This wasn't a surprise here, was it? Uh, Oakland comes out, gets the gets the, the the narrow win. The better of these two teams. You always cringe though when Oakland has to go on a road and win a game. But here are your Oakland Raiders already at five wins, eleven games into the season. How about that? Good old Oakland yeah, Raiders. Yeah, yeah. And 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 Marcus Mariota's finding he's not in Oregon anymore. Uh, he was seventeen and thirty-seven. Just played wow. like a rookie. Yeah. But still, even that, even at all that, you know, you hold the opposing quarterback to under 50% completion, which is unbelievable in today's league, and the Raiders needed a late touchdown to win it. So every once in a while, that they rear their ugly head and remind you that they're the Raiders. Hey, a Raiders win on the road is uh, nothing to sneeze at, okay? That's just a, a great job by Oakland going. They're loosely, lightly in the playoff race in the AFC. I don't know how much more that will continue, but they can stack up some wins here. They can kind of poke their head into that thing a little bit more. How about the Kansas City Chiefs who go out and play a, a solid Buffalo Bills team and uh, crank out, Amel, their fifth win in a row? What's going on well, in Kansas City? Your boy Andy Reid. You know, and you know what impressed me in this game? The fact that they came out, and for some reason Buffalo ambushed them. You know, Buffalo came out guns guns blazing as they say, and they had a 16 nothing lead in this game. But the Chiefs didn't panic. Uh, they didn't hang their heads. They just went back to work, got themselves back in the game, and ended up actually, you know, basically pulling away at the end. So, I mean, that's impressive when you think about falling behind 16 nothing in an NFL game. Coming back, hanging 30 on your opponent, winning the game, that's impressive. So you're telling me that this Kansas City Chiefs team was down, what were they down, 16 nothing? 
16 zip. 16 zip, managed to run the ball 27 times, and a New England Patriots team who was up 21-7 managed to run the ball, what was it, 16 times? Yes. How do these oh, things excuse happen? Me, I'm sorry. It was it was ten nothing. They were down sixteen seven then. So it was ten nothing. Then it was sixteen seven. But still, they got another point. Being they were down nine to ten points in the middle of the second quarter. So the, they still ran the ball, stuck with the game plan. You know, the Patriots who were ahead the whole game ran it sixteen times. So yes, that's what I'm telling you. Yeah, Chiefs. Uh, you know, by virtue of um, <clears throat> the mediocrity that we've spoken about in all of the NFL and that exists in the uh, AFC as well, uh, they are in the playoff race now with a six and five record. So they're making their moves. Dolphins and Jets. What do we What do we to say about this? I think we already talked about this. Dolphins refuse to run the football, so Bill Lazor uh, will be refused access to the Dolphins facility today. He's been fired. I wonder who called that, though. Was that Dan Campbell, or did that come from elsewhere? I'd love to know. I don't. Can Campbell make moves mm, like that? I don't think Campbell. Uh, it doesn't seem like an interim coach is making that move at this point in the season. That seems like yeah, it's just, from someone. Yeah, uh, again, I don't know why you do it at this point. I mean, your season is pretty much trashed. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are 4-7. and seven. They're not going to anyone's playoffs What's the point of that? Quarterback coach, though. Well, the maybe job. Campbell, though, you know, looked at that. I mean, who knows? I don't know how they run their game set. You know, I mean, what what influence Campbell has in actual play selection. I mean, after a game, a guy like Campbell, who's a, who prides himself on being a tough guy when he played, may have looked mm-hmm. at that stat sheet they handed him and said, we ran the ball nine freaking times. I mean, you don't know. He could have went to ownership and said, listen, we, you know, it's not going to work. Could you imagine if Ezekiel Elliott was the running back for the Miami Dolphins? Might have been something. Hey, I just got a, a message. Our man Lester's on hold. Let's bring him on. He's on I hold. I thought you were just listening to a really good radio show. Oh, uh, man, I'm trying to enjoy you guys on a Monday morning, man. What's cracking? What's going on with you? Man, I had a great weekend. The Lions won. The Spartans won. The Saints lost. The Cowboys got their face kicked in. Wait, wait a minute. Why is it good? Wait, why is it good? Wait, Saints lost. What do the Saints have to do with you? Man, you know, I'm just a hater right now. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Man. Well, I'd like to know why the Saints of all teams draws your ire. What'd they do? Uh, Who you beefing with from the Saints? I ain't beefing with nobody from the Saints. I love the Saints, actually, you know. I just, it's something about these New Orleans folks. (laughs) Good Lord. Good Lord have mercy. All right, well, you got any thoughts on what's going on in college football? Coaches getting fired uh, left it's and about right. To turn out to be, it's about to be an exciting weekend. Um, I love the way Oklahoma handled themselves this weekend. Um, ba- Baylor slipped into, you know, whatever Baylor does, but it, it always happens to them at the end of the season. Um Clemson Excuse me, Les, Les, I have breaking news. I'm not kidding you here. This just came up, swear to God. I wouldn't, I wouldn't interrupt you for something silly. The USC has just announced that Clay Helton has been hired permanently as the head coach. Well, there you have it. God bless your squad. Uh, I hope that works out for them, Emil. Uh That interim okay. stuff typically doesn't work out. We'll see if it does. Well, yeah, well okay, I mean, go back to what you're saying. I just have to break. We're on a football show. That's breaking news. They they beat a they beat a good USC team I mean UCLA team this week so that's good for him I mean congratulations to him um, it's a great program for him to take control of um, 
I mean, it's going to be exciting this weekend. Uh, you know, I mean, I hope Florida plays a great game against Alabama. Who knows? I mean, after a tough loss this week against Florida State. I mean, Wait, I want to ask you at. about Florida. Chad doesn't like to comment much on Florida, so now that I have someone else on the on the radio, I'd like to get your thoughts. Um, I told Chad I watched that game, and then at about thirteen nothing, I turned it off because I was watching that offense, and I said thirteen nothing might as well be thirty four nothing. They're not scoring two touchdowns. Uh, what, what do you make of that? Like, it just seems like they, no matter who the coach is, it's still the offense is the the problem. Um, you know what I think? Honestly, after watching them play. Uh, the defense is solid. Um, I mean, there there are mistakes made in the secondary. There are mistakes made, you know, as far as coverages and things like that. Um, I think the quarterback is the biggest problem. If the quarterback could get rid of the ball, they have a decent running back in Taylor. They got some decent receivers. Um, they need a, a they need a tight end to throw to. Um, I just uh, find listen, it that if the, if, listen, if the quarterback McGee, was McGee's more a pretty good tight end, man. Uh, I, I can't, I, I can't, I might have to disagree with you there. They have got a good well, tight I, end. I've never seen the ball thrown to him, so I don't know. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen the tight end. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a pretty good tight end. So, um, yeah, look, everything's coming back to the QB. Pardon me. Yeah, it seems everything's coming back to the QB. That that seems to be the big problem. It is what it is right now, and they're just going to have to make that work, find a way to drum up you know, 17 to 20 points against Alabama, and the defense will have to play their best game of the season. That's really well, the whole plan for them to get a victory. Down. You hope that this is not a case, and you've often said this. A guy comes to a job, and sometimes the best thing to do is to build and you know, he comes in there now, he runs off 10-1 and one out of the gate, now 10-2. and two. Let's say they lose to Alabama and win a bowl game. They go 11-3. and three. Mm-hmm. You just hope if there's a step back next year that fans realize that, you know, he probably was ahead of schedule winning 10 or 11 games this year. I don't think anybody in the preseason, you included and me, thought Florida would win 10 or 11 games this year. So I just hope if they go back next year and they end up whatever, pick a number, 8-5, and five, that the fan base doesn't say the guy can't coach. I just, you know, I, sometimes you're better off, you know, going in the right order because fans get unrealistic expectations. I think they're way ahead of schedule where they're at right now. Do you agree or no? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, but you know that fans don't want to hear that kind of stuff. So if there is a step back next year, there'll be some grumbling. You can believe that. Yeah. Well, I hope I there isn't a step back, but I'm just saying. I don't, I don't see I don't see how they can step back with a, a, a year in experience and all the guys that they got coming back unless a lot of guys decided to, to Yeah, that's going to be the big thing, Les, is uh, how many guys can they get to stay specifically on that defensive side of the ball. Uh, a whole lot of that offensive line is coming back. I think three of those five guys are uh, underclassmen. Um, Kelvin Taylor may elect to leave. Uh, you do have two good freshmen, promising freshmen running backs. and um, You've got the playmakers uh that are underclassmen at wide receiver and that's Brandon Powell and 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 uh and you know Antonio Callaway, those are your biggest playmakers. You you know, you're probably gonna lose to Marcus Robinson who didn't play in this game, was suspended for it. But um you know, so if you can get as much if you can get a bunch of that to come back, you're fine. But if you lose a bunch of guys in, who knows? You may you may run into some issues. Uh the staff Absolutely. can coach though, so I like that. I mean, I like that the Randy Shannon, is, your man, is over there. I mean, and it looks like the program is going to continue to do well. I mean, 
like I said, these are guys that he, he inherited. So the only thing he can do is coach them up and teach them how to get better. And, I mean, I think with all of them having a, another year under their belt, they're going to have a great year. Uh, regardless if they lose to Alabama, they'll go to a nice bowl game. And who knows? We'll see what happens. Hey, let me ask yep, you guys we'll a question what staying, on this, staying on the playoff for one second. What happens? Now think about this. How the SEC could be the big loser in this. Because I still believe it's the best conference. Florida beats Alabama. Florida isn't going to get in that playoff. The SEC no. won't have a team in the playoff. No. No. They just might way. not. It, what, what, just might not. I mean, who, who says they have to be in it every year? Well, they'll have they'll probably push two big team teams in there. They'll push Ohio State back in there because they are the former champions. So, if Alabama loses game, I mean, you you can definitely you know see something like that happening. Well, no, I'm, I'm rooting for Alabama to lose for two fronts. Obviously, my, my personal rooting front with Chad. And then secondly, see, I want I want the playoff. I, I'm convinced that my original thought of 16 was too many. Sometimes less mm-hmm. is more. I think mm-hmm. eight is the right number. Every conference champion from the major five should be an automatic berth. Then there should be three at large. And I think the only thing you'll, that will ever get that push forward quicker is if the SEC is sitting on their hands when this playoff goes off. And they say, wait a second, every conference champion has to get an No, I think controversy is what fuels this thing. So uh, having four makes it very controversial, has people talking about it. We're here on Blog Talk Radio talking about it. You know, Skip and, and Stephen A. Smith are going to talk about it, and everyone's going to talk about it. And I, th- I think college football really understands that that's, that's, uh, that's the engine for them, controversy. Yeah, so, maybe. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Hey, listen, man, Les, I appreciate you holding on for three hours for us and coming on and talking on the show. You got it, my dog. All right. See you, Les. That's my, Take care. That's my man, Les, there. We've got a couple more games here. Do we want to talk San Diego, Jacksonville? I picked that uh, game. You did pick that game. And uh, and I it, won. I took San Diego plus five. There for a minute. All I have to yeah, say is. Yeah, I don't is, know what they were thinking, making Jacksonville no, a favorite of no. that. On the Jack, what did I say on the show Friday? I have no reason. I didn't want to. I didn't want to watch a play of that game. But I can just tell you one thing. This when was I a twenty-nine to nine game, though. You, you understand that your, your squad. Uh, I mean, I mean, San Diego came out and jumped on these boys quick. Oh yeah, like we, how when you, you see it, when you see a team like San Diego, who's got a professional quarterback of the caliber of Phil Rivers, who's got pride and knows how to play the position, and they get beat 33-3. I don't care what their record is that season. You send them on the road against a franchise like Jacksonville. You make Jacksonville more than a field goal. You take Jacksonville, you do so at your own peril. Uh, To me, it was just like, listen, San Diego is going to have some pride even if they lose this game. They're going to play tight. Uh, Five points or whatever I got, four and a half, way too many. Um, And they won outright, so I was 2-1. and So I, I, I helped save us a little this week after my disastrous pro start. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you for that. Uh, we appreciate it here on the Gridiron Stud. Sincerely, from the Gridiron Stud Show, we appreciate you picking up the slack in that area. Arizona and San Francisco, this was an ugly football game, uh, as many of the San Francisco 49ers football games tend to be. This franchise has completely fallen off the cliff. Oh, yeah, they're, they're you know. I mean, like straight they, off the cliff. It's ugly. They couldn't every get Harbaugh out of there quick enough. You know, it, it, this is what I'm trying here. Here, you help me, okay? This is where I try to remind fans: be careful what you wish for. The the 49ers were a disaster for about seven or eight years before Harbaugh got there. He gets there, 
He goes to three straight NFC Championship games, wins one, and gets within about four yards of winning the Super Bowl. That's not good enough all of a sudden. Oh, wait. We, we can't get over the hump. Let's bring somebody else in. Well, congratulations. What's your record now? How's that working out for you? Here's what we've got going on offensively for the San Francisco 49ers over the last several games. 13, 13, 17, 6, and 3. They are as impotent as you can be. There's no Viagra or Cialis that can help this offense right now. They are just offensively offensive. And, uh, you know what you made not... me think of when you said that? The coach and the what? GM sitting next to each other in a tub holding hands. <laughs> uh, they're bad, man. Emil, they're bad. The Arizona Cardinals tried to lose the game against them. What's the deal? You're a Cardinals fan. Well, I, a closet one, right, with Carson. But, uh, you know, the Cardinals, sure. I'm actually happy that they played a game. I know it's the 49ers where they kept – I'm more concerned with their defense. Their defense has been disastrous the last couple of weeks, giving up a ton of points. I'm just mm-hmm. happy to see that they at least got – Regardless of oh, the well, opponent. there's nothing like San Francisco to get your defense back right. I understand that, but we got to start somewhere. And when I look at their last couple of games, 34-31 and 39-32, albeit victories against the Bengals and Seahawks, I was hoping that they would get more into the defensive mindset because I just don't think the Cardinals can go very far if they want to play games in the 30s throughout the playoffs. So, Are the you know, Cardinals, in I your mind, fight. capable of going to Minnesota and winning a playoff game? No, they have to be home. To me, this is a team that really, especially Minnesota, because, see, obviously the cold, I think, would have an impact on the Cardinals. I think they'd be better off playing at Carolina, truthfully. I mean, Mm -hmm. the weather shouldn't be a factor. Um, I -hmm. think Minnesota has a big advantage against them because of the style they play and the weather. Well, that home field advantage, that whole thing with Arizona, between Arizona and Minnesota, that's going to be huge. That's a huge thing for us to watch here. Pittsburgh and Seattle, this was a pick of mine, which I happened to lose. Don't know how. I thought Pittsburgh was in control of this game, and then, uh, you know, I wasn't able to listen to the last part. Can you tell me what the hell happened to my pick that I thought I was going to win? Well, there's a couple things in this game, and this is where I always say, and this is a guy who's won a lot of games in Pittsburgh, but, but every time I watch some of his game management, I find Tomlin to be puzzling. The Steelers had a 3 nothing lead at this in this game. Um, and in the second quarter, they're lining up for a field goal. And for some godforsaken reason, I turn my head, and I, all of a sudden I see Landry Jones throwing a ball like it looked like a punt that a Seahawk intercepts, returns down to their 24-yard line. And mm-hmm. what I'm expecting to be like a 6 nothing Steeler lead is all of a sudden a 7-3 deficit. So... You know, that that was a big turning point in the game, probably about a 10-point swing. And I know you can't necessarily say, well, they lost by nine, they would have won the game, but certainly didn't help the cause. And then late in the game, you should have Hey, I'm covered. plus four, okay? Doug Baldwin has an 80-yard touchdown pass from yeah, Russell Wilson. That was, Aside that was from that a just puzzling being to me. What happened there? I didn't That's see the play. I lost this game from a point spread perspective. Let me tell you what happened. The score was 32-30. Uh, the game was wearing me out, and I saw them kick the field goal. I put it up on my phone, and I said, I want to start watching a show that I'm interested in. So mm-hmm. I turned the show on, uh, my, my my little iPad, I'm laying there, and all of a sudden I see my phone change 39-30. I'm like, what happened to running the ball three times? <laughs> yeah, an 80-yard pass. The Seattle Seahawks, 
80-yard touchdown pass. That doesn't even sound right, and that's how I lose a game. That just lets you know uh, where my luck was riding. 14, 14 rushes for the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday in a game that was nip and tuck all the way through. Am I not right on that? No one really got a yeah, no, it was no nip one and ran tuck away. the whole game. What do you What do you make of it? I mean, I don't know. The Steelers' defense seems to really be a big problem for them. I mean, the Seahawks are not the most dynamic team in the league. They lose Graham in the third quarter, I believe it was. And, and they're hanging 39 points on the Steelers. That's got to be, you know, obviously. Yeah, almost 450 yards of offense for the Seattle Seahawks against Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh's fooling themselves. I don't see them going very far in this playoffs unless they just get extremely hot. And part of that hot is going to have to be uh, playing some kind of defense that doesn't look like what they're doing right now. We already talked about Denver and uh, New England. Uh, I just want to throw this out there. Last year, do you remember that, uh, in Oakland? Brock Osweiler was supposed to go out on the field, and Peyton Manning ran his yes. behind out there when Osweiler was. You know, um, in hindsight, Emil, was that really Peyton Manning kind of seeing this guy every day in practice and thinking he could be something? He could he could put me on the bench faster than I really want to be? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you I, reading I mean, that I far guess, into it, or am I just. Well, you know, I guess the question becomes what happens. What happens when he comes back? Because to, I've said this. I think they look better with him. I said that when they you beat gotta the Bears. You got to play Osweiler. You got to play Osweiler, man. You got to do it. Uh, if they keep winning like this, and they just took down the big dog. I mean, if you go back to Peyton Manning, and this thing falls, you're gonna have a serious problem on your hands. You're probably gonna have a problem in the locker room. So yeah, I think so too. I, I think you got to stay with Osweiler. Is that where you'd go with that? Me too. I mean, I, I don't know how you make that move. I mean, you, you know, they've won two games in a row. The offense looks like at least they have a guy who can threaten the field uh, deep, uh, open up the running game a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how you make a change, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be an interesting thing for us to watch. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll run through the college football and talk a little bit about what went on there this weekend. We'll do that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. 
speed is what you need. So hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. We're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show, 11.03 a.m. Eastern Time. Hey, Malo, you guys wearing T-shirts up there in Pennsylvania by any chance? Is it T-shirt weather uh, right now? Well, it was 26 this morning, so no, it's not T-shirt weather. Probably not T-shirt weather, but we're wearing T-shirts down here. And I just want to let you folks out there listening know that screen-printed T-shirts are costly when you do them for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices, more colors, more costly. The answer is to do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and hand iron, whether it's for your 7-on-7 team, and believe it or not, that season's coming up on us here, uh, or it's your child's birthday party or a family reunion. You can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at T-ShirtSupplies.com, you can design your own logos. You can do the wording however you want. You can print it on inkjet paper. Inkjet paper sold by T-ShirtSupplies.com and iron it on with your own hand iron. Who knew? Who knew? But you can do that. The designs or pictures you put onto your T-shirts are only limited by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at T-ShirtSupplies.com can get it onto your T-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you've never done it before, as T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service. They'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. So visit them now at T-ShirtSupplies.com. That's T-Shirt, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com, or call them at 1-877-857-2737, 1-857-85-PAPER, T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. All right. Um, college football, a lot going on. It was rivalry weekend. Let's just start with your squad. Uh, I think you doubted them a little bit, didn't you? Did you not doubt this squad? I did because, you know, the formula against, you know, UCLA the last couple of years, you know, for some reason, you know, and I guess maybe that just reflects in coaching like we've often talked about, uh, they they were getting bullied by UCLA. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, they turned back the bullying. In, yes, yes, they turned back yeah. into the bully in that game. And that that's they the way did. that's you, supposed to work. Yeah, USC went out and did the bullying, 40-21, to 21, smashed across town rivals. So here's the deal for UCLA, okay? In a season where you have an interim coach and all hell breaks loose and things just don't look right over there at the Coliseum and uh, at USC, UCLA's big chance to seize market share, and you get hammered 40-21. to 21. Where, does, where do the Bruins go from here? Did you read? Did you read that article, or did you seriously come up with that on your own? Because it's ironic you say that. There's a, a winners and losers article from. Rivalry I've had the weekend. chance to read nothing. Okay, nothing. nothing. Okay, so the one guy said the big loser from the weekend was Jim Moore. He goes, listen. He goes, you're playing a school that basically for the last four years has vacillated between sanctions and firing coaches, and you you got you haven't even played in the Pac-12 title game the last two years. You've gotten beat, and 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 this one they beat the hell out of you to send you home. Basically, he said, where do you, if you're not in the elite right now, when will that ever be? Because basically things can only get better for USC. UCLA needs to hold a summit and figure out just how in the heck they could, you know, um, rise up in the city of Los Angeles and stop being the baby brother of USC, even when USC is wounded. Let's talk about my only loss picking 
uh, games in college football. I mean, the team I picked won the game, but dang it, I couldn't I couldn't get a point spread cover. Notre Dame and Stanford, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And at one point, I thought Notre Dame had won this game, Emil, but Stanford comes back and uh, sinks Notre Dame's battleship. Probably puts them out of this college football. Uh, I say probably because it is Notre Dame, and the ghost of Notre Dame always lurks. But they're out of this playoff thing. I think that's a fairly safe assumption at this point. Yeah, they're they're not going to be in it. Listen, uh, you know I'm a big, big, huge, matter of fact, uh, David Shaw fan. Really am. Mm-hmm. But yes. he really mucked up the end of this game, and his kids his kids really saved him. They did. Mm-hmm. The kids mm-hmm. saved him. Um, the, the end of this game, he, he had three timeouts. Notre Dame had the ball inside their five-yard line. Uh, he, he chose to basically not use any of the timeouts. By the time Notre Dame scores, 36-35, he's got 30 seconds left. You don't need, in college football, for 30 seconds, you don't need three timeouts. Okay, He would have been no, better off with a minute. you get clock stoppages for first downs as well. So Right, so he would have been better off with a minute 20 left on the clock and one timeout with the clock stoppages for first downs. Then on top of it, McCaffrey takes a shot at returning the kickoff, which you can't blame him. He's a dynamic kick returner. He gets an extra yard. He gets out to the 26-yard line and kills five seconds there. So in the end, Mm -hmm. Shaw's got 25 seconds. The team bailed him out with that 26-yard completion and the kicker making it. And and believe me, I'm a big David Shaw fan. I think he's a great coach, but he really did not do his best work at the end of this game. No, um, and we've seen that more and more. We've talked about it several times on, uh, on this program about how um, you know, the the ends of games get mismanaged. It's really what this is about, uh, being a head coach. Those situations. And uh, you remember the quote way back from Tony Roma? I want to say it was in week two of the season. A lot of these games come down to uh, the final six to eight minutes there. And uh, who who really can, is able to handle themselves best in those situations. So, um, you know, a, a head coach makes his money in those moments right there. So, he mishandled that one. Doesn't do it very often, so we'll give him a pass. But here's what's funny. Uh, you know guy. what's funny about how we're such a results-oriented society that, you know, I brought that up here, just not be, not to hammer him because I like him, just to bring it up, but because they won, no one's talking about it. Now, if they had lost that game, everybody would be talking about it. Oh, sometimes sure. the re- we're results-oriented. People will sit there and say, you know, but they won. But that doesn't make that doesn't mean he coached the end of the game correctly. It just means he got lucky. I wouldn't even say sometimes. We're always results oriented. That's just how we are. How about this result? Big game, Bob. You know, we've kicked Bob before. Let's give him a little kudos. He goes out there and does the tail kicking. Absolutely splits Mike Gundy and the uh, cow pokes, busting them out of there, fifty-eight twenty-three in the de facto uh, Big Twelve championship game. Is that what we were calling that on uh, Saturday night? Fifty-eight twenty-three. Yeah. Man. Let me so, ask you. I sent you a text. You never responded. I think you were dejected over the weekend. I wanted to talk about this this morning. That you bring it up. Is, is he? Is he perhaps one of the most underrated coaches? And what I mean by that is, you know, Oklahoma's got a tremendous tradition. But I'll tell you, realistically, Oklahoma is not a a recruiting powerhouse. They really aren't. I mean, they'll they'll get top twenty classes, but they're not somebody that's consistently in the top ten. If you go back and look. Mm-hmm. And yet every year, he's pretty much winning 9, 10, 11 games every year. Um, listen, I, I will certainly give him uh, a good amount of credit for being consistent. Uh, I, you know, that's something that both you and I hold near and dear. He does come out and 
put together a pretty good football team each and every year that is somehow relevant. So I'll give him that. He's just, over the years, his biggest deal has been those big games where it looks like he can get this Oklahoma team to greatness and uh, they fall flat on their face. You know, he avoided that in this football game. But uh, by and large, man, they've been relevant just about every year. And looking at things, what's this, eight years, just like Alabama? Eight out of the yep. last ten years, Oklahoma's managed to have double-digit wins. Can so, you indulge me here? Yeah, maybe is. Last five recruiting classes, we'll use rivals because I like rivals, and they're pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, 2011, number 14 class. Very good. Mm -hmm. Okay, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but not great. I mean, good. Very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Number 11, the following year recruiting class, still not in the top 10. The following year, 2013, they were the number 15 class. Again, not a top 10 class yet. I'm up to 14. Uh, 2014, they had the 15th class. And then 2015, they had the 14th class. So, again, not one top 10 class in the last five years but he wins all the time maybe oklahoma is really good at developing their talent maybe oklahoma is really good at recruiting the kind of players that would excel in their system i don't know how much regard i hold for that those recruiting rankings um but you know no, there that's is a my bit point of a- i don't hold regard for them either I'm, what i'm trying to say is we all make a big deal fans that is of, mm-hmm. you know, we got this many four-stars and this many five-stars, and we've said this before on the show. You bring 24 and five-stars in there, if you can't coach, and they by their sophomore year they play like a three-star, a guy like Stoops is bringing in some from some four and a lot of three-stars, and by the time mm-hmm. they're sophomores, they're four and five-stars. That's my theory. I'm trying to say that he develops players. That's what I'm trying to to, to say to you. Yeah, so you would definitely probably need to give him credit for that. Um, that he does he does do that, and then and his football teams are, are there every year. I think in his career, when Bob Stoops start coaching, uh, 1999, this is pretty amazing well, he started you know, when there, you think yeah. about this. Since coaching, since being the head coach, he wasn't a head coach before that, um, how about that for taking a big job? Your first place, uh, your first your first job's a big time job, and you handle it like this. Uh, since becoming the coach in 1999, there have only been four seasons for Bob Stoops in which his team did not win double digits. Think about that. Only four oh. seasons, so um, a tremendous guy's job. Five years old. Here's his record at, at Oklahoma: 179 wins. And 45 losses in 16 seasons. He's been there as yeah, him and Mark Rick job. both started at the same time. Yeah, it's a damn good job by uh, by your man Bob Stoops there. So kudos to him. The number one team in the country uh, almost had a fatal loss um, against their rival South Carolina. Clemson had a big lead in this game, then lost it, and South Carolina started coming all the way back. 29 second-half points by South Carolina. Would that be a reason to drop Clemson? No, it's a rivalry game. I mean, I don't – rivalry games, I, I take I, I take the cliché to heart. I throw a lot of the records out in those games because these schools just don't like each, especially down there. I have a friend who's an alum of the University of South Carolina. Believe it or not, he's from this area, northeastern Pennsylvania. He lives up here. And he'll tell you flat out that is a that's a, a under the radar hate game. Those two schools do not like. Well, each the other. number two team in the country also had a rivalry game, which they played on the road, and I'm talking about Alabama, and they handled Auburn. By the way, Derrick Henry with 47 carries in this game, Emil. I mean, 
yeah, you probably took two years off this kid's football career. Well, that's always the concern for running backs when they stay around in college. You know, everybody wants to be the man. If you're a running back in college, I think you you, you really would like to be the the leader of a, of a good rotation. I don't think you really, you know, if I'm a college running back, I want my 20, 22 carries, and I want somebody else to take 10 or 12 of them. I, I don't yeah, want to run something the ball to po- 47 times. Something to point out in this game, Emil, and probably something for us to keep our eye on here in the next couple of weeks as they start doing the musical cheers. Alabama got off 76 plays in this game against Auburn and Will Muschamp's defense. And I know going into this thing, I thought it was an odd pairing that Will Muschamp ended up with Gus Malzahn simply because I know he doesn't believe in that uh, offensive philosophy that Gus Malzahn has. The whole Chip Kelly thing, we're going to line up and run 100 plays a game and then you guys on defense just figure out a way to get stops. Will Muschamp was a pretty animated guy on the sidelines, seemed like a very frustrated coach in that game. And I would not be surprised, Emil, if Will Muschamp ends up being the defensive coordinator for Kirby Smart wherever he lands. I think Will Muschamp would, you know, try this whole thing with Gus Malzahn, and I think he'd really like to get himself out of there. And, uh, you know, he does have a good relationship with Kirby Smart, so be on the lookout for that. Kirby Smart ends up in Georgia or South Carolina. Don't be shocked if Will Muschamp is one and done in Auburn and heads out with his buddy there who's not going well, to Well, by the way, that game is a little bit like deceiving, that. too, don't forget. I mean, uh, Henry ripped off a run with 20-some seconds left. That was a nine-point game. For, for those of people who pay attention, the line on that game was mm-hmm. like 15. So I'm thinking they were hoping he got over the goal line, made the extra point at the end too. But it was yeah. a little bit tighter. It was a nip and tuck game. It was a nip and yeah. tuck game, man. But when you let a team like Alabama get 76 snaps at you, 50 of them are rushes, your team gets beat down. And uh, that was really the story here. It was Derrick Henry just totally becoming a bulldozer. And, of course, he rips off a run at the end. Those guys over there at Auburn had to be extremely exhausted trying to tackle that beast. Um, And in a game like that, when you know the other team has something like that on their side, you don't want to let that kid get 50 carries. So, nevertheless, that was the story. 29-13 for Alabama, the number two team in the country going into this. I have a question for you. You're the father of a college athlete. I'm being serious here. Mm -hmm. If that's your son... And you know, Saban runs him forty-seven times. Kind of are you knew having this question a, was coming? Are you having a friendly conversation? I mean, I'm not saying like a heated one. Are you saying, "Hey, coach, you know, I know you know what you're doing, but that's a lot of carries." <laughs> um, as a parent, you don't really when your kid goes off to school, he's a man. You don't really want to involve yourself in that. But when it's you know, when it's a safety, that's a really good question, Emil. Uh, you know. I, I don't know. I would be concerned, no doubt about it, if my son carries the ball 47 times. Uh, that's obviously more chance for injury. So it would be concerned. Would it? Would I go so far as to question Nick Saban? I don't know. Part of the fact that he carried the ball 47 times is the other running back, Kenyon Drake, is injured right now, can't play. You do have another big back there in Bo Scarborough that probably should have carried the ball more. But this was a close game. You got to win it. I don't know. That's a very good question, Emil, for and one for which I don't. You know, have I asked the question, and this an is just a little right side story. Um, you know, growing up, I played baseball. You know, that was a sport I was good at. Um, mm-hmm. And my dad was played until his thirties, but my father was old school. So, I, you know, for my age, I threw hard. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. a different era now. We're talking the seventies, eighties. Mm-hmm. In Little League, my I, I had 12 complete games my, You know, your last year in Little League. My ERA was .5, mm-hmm. and I had like 15 or 16 strikeouts a game. Well, that should have never happened. 
if you're following me. Mm-hmm. In other words, a kid shouldn't throw that much. And eventually, mm-hmm. you know, up into high school and early into college, eventually led to shoulder problems, which eventually, basically, you know, we're not talking about this level, but you know, that was the end of the, that was the end of me. Okay. Yeah, and, and that of, happens to a lot of kids around here. And my kids played baseball, so I know that whole deal. Yeah, so instead kids, of increasing velocity when I was 19 years old, I was losing velocity because my arm was shot. Sure, you know, it's a, sure. So, I wish, you know, looking back at it now, and I'm not blaming anybody because, again, it was a different era, but I wish a parent would step have stepped in and saved me from myself or or, mm-hmm. or an adult coach. Let's put it that way. I don't want to put that on my parents or anybody. But my point is, you know, I think at some point you have to look from a safety perspective and say, you know what, the hell with what my kid likes. I'm not saying the coach should, should run a certain play. I'm talking safety here. I'm saying, you know, this kid's 20 years old. He can't be running a football 47 times a game. Sure, and what have uh, what have we talked about on this game uh, on this show about the NFL and and the fantasy numbers and what happens to a running back when he touches the ball over 400 times in a season? They go downhill. So, uh, and we also know that Alabama running backs really haven't torn it up at the next level, and part of it could be they're overworked, uh, which is funny. I would say probably Eddie Lacy's probably the one that's doing the best uh, right now in the league, and that was a guy who was kind of preserved. As an Alabama running back, well, I, you know, I think I think it's a dual thing. I think Alabama running backs fall into just a lot of Alabama players that go to the league, and you know they've they have some good ones. So I'm not saying, but for the quantity mm-hmm. of players they put out, some of them have struggled at the NFL, and I think part of it is they come out of college about as close to a finished NFL product as they can be. So in college, they're tearing it up because they're basically a borderline NFL player by their junior year, playing against mm-hmm. a lot of college kids. They get to the league. There's not much more of a ceiling for the Alabama player. They basically are what they are. The other kids from other schools get coached up at the NFL level, strength, conditioning, technique, and a lot of times I think have higher ceilings. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Does that make sense to you? Um, Sure. Uh, I guess the price for being good. I want to throw this nugget out that I'm seeing here from Football Scoop. Sources tell Football Scoop USC officials met with Chip Kelly in Philadelphia Friday, they believe it was, and uh, Chip Kelly told them he likes the league life. What do you make of that, Emil? I make of it they did their due diligence. Here's what I think happened there. I'm just surmising just based on the rumors that you and I have discussed, people I know out there, my brother having gone out there quite a bit, talking, sending me some notes. I think UFC had had one thing in mind. Either we're going to get Chip Kelly, which I'm glad they didn't, by the way. Between you and I, uh, we talked about that. After I talked to you, roll with Helton. Yes. Yeah. After I got my head screwed on straight about that, he is not a USC type of guy with his offense. But that said, they for Mm -hmm. some reason had designs of Chip Kelly because it's LA, probably. Let's make a splash, and we think he can coach a little bit too. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they probably Mm -hmm. went, did their due diligence, and once they convinced themselves that, hey, this guy is not going anywhere anytime soon, did what I think they should have done, even though we we kind of disagree a little bit on that, um, and Mm -hmm. and gave this guy a shot. Because I think, you know, what's the guarantee that you go get the guy from Houston or somebody like that, and he's any better than Clay Helton? And Clay Helton has the support of the alumni, which is huge there. You know how that works at Miami works the same mm-hmm. way at USC, and mm-hmm. he's got the player support. The kids love him. I mean, hell, they started a, a freaking hashtag for the guy. Yeah, uh, like, you know, listen, the players at Miami wanted Larry Coker, okay? So um, I don't know that that's okay, really but a big key I'm factor. But let is... me say this. Let me say this about the whole Helton hiring. 
You weren't going to get Jeff Fisher. Apparently he likes being in the NFL and thinks St. Louis is going to keep him around or whatever. You didn't really have a USC guy. Uh, I don't know that there was someone out there right now that you could say would hold the identity together better than Helton at the moment. You don't want Chip Kelly in there, even though you went and asked. Um, so maybe this is, at this point in time, probably the best hire. I know you spoke of Patterson, um, you know, uh, but who's to, who's to say he wants out of TCU? He stayed there. He's turned down jobs before. So maybe this is, at this point in time, the best thing that USC could have done. I'll, I wish uh, you were you near that. TV on Saturday that I could have made you watch a quarter of that game because the thing I like about this guy, and I'll give him this, because you know I'm big into this. I think that mm-hmm. the identity of a program, especially one that's had a lot of success, is important. They look like it USC is. on offense. They, I mean – at one point in the late third, early fourth quarter, they ran 20 plays in a row. 19 were runs. The other was a play-action touchdown pass, and it's funny. It was third and two from the five. I turned to my wife, and I said, if this guy has the stones to go play-action, the tight end is going to be wide open in the corner of the end zone. I get the words out of my mouth. He play, goes play-action. The tight end basically catches a punt in the corner of the end zone. My wife's looking at me like I actually know something, and I just said no. Oh, so you That's like Clay Helton because he calls the plays you like, and he made you look like a genius. No, I like him. No, he, well, he, you know, he, he is nice look good and one smart in front of the wife once in a while because that rarely occurs. Sure. But, um <laughs> no, seriously, I like the fact that that, to me, is what USC has always been about. The same way you have an Miami has an identity, and you believe it's – in their defense, which I do too, I've always mm-hmm. felt USC is about defense quarterbacks uh, that that type of deal, and not the quarterback running around with the football. It's just not what it's been. Yeah, so to um, me, so. to me at this point in time, I'm not sure who they would go out and get that you could say is a slam dunk right now. Yeah, that I would agree. Let's talk about one of the games that I won. It was uh, Northwestern beating Illinois. This is just the fact of a better team here. And with this point spread being, uh, I think it was two and a half at the time that I picked it, ended up being two. I just thought, you know, all I needed was a better team to win this game. And Illinois, not the better team, and also trying to figure out who the heck was going to be the next coach and so on and so forth. And Northwestern's had a pretty damn good season. And uh, they played some pretty good defense. They did in this game and ended up winning it 24-14. to 14. So I'll take the win. Thank you very much, Northwestern. Uh, I got to talk about this game. It's Florida State in Florida. I was there in person. The offense uh, was tragic. There's no other way to put it. Just completely and totally inept, anemic. Um, you go into the red zone, couldn't convert it. Defense playing their heart out. And um, the truth of the matter is, Florida's just going to have to figure out some kind of a game plan, some kind of a way to not look like they did against Alabama, who has a better defense. Florida State. Um, Bottled up, but give them credit. They made a couple of good play calls to get themselves down into Florida territory um, and in the first half able to get uh, pull a play down by the end zone and get themselves a touchdown, and that 10-0 margin was huge. Instead of being 6 nothing, going 10 nothing, and I think that was a big part in the game that, that they were able to pull that out. So you said you yeah, I mean, death and fell asleep. I didn't blame you, you know what I mean? It was that kind no, of that's game. No, that was, that was a tough deal there. I mean, uh, yeah, it just <sighs> – I feel bad because in a game like that, the score gets out of control because eventually the defense just just gives in. I mean, it's over. <laughs> yeah. You know, they... Yeah. So listen, for you Florida State fans out there that want to clap your hands and make big noise about Dalvin Cook uh, ending up with 183 yards, I believe, 
he had 39 yards at the end of the third quarter. And uh, yes. all that he got really at the end was pretty much when the Florida defense just said, screw it, this game's over. You know, we're not going to get much help from the other side. Um, they they held your boy Dalvin Cook in check. So Florida State fans, who in my opinion, Emil, are one of the most annoying that I find in social media, and maybe even outside of that, don't mind saying it. What, what makes um, them annoying? They're just over the top? Cool your heels. They're just a – you know, it's hard to even put a finger on it. They're just annoying. They're just, uh, they're just completely annoying. And uh, I'm just so glad to be able to say in my life, when I suited up, we kicked the hell out of Florida State. So all you Florida State fans listening to that – well, when I played, we beat y'all's ass. So how about that? Take that and run. There you go. Recap your picks one. real quick. For the, you did good in college, so recap. I want to let you um, I had a game that went off on Friday. Uh, I did roll with uh, Iowa. Uh, you know, I, I, listen, Iowa bought it the first time I watched an Iowa game this year, Emil, and they got a fan in me. Iowa plays football the way it's supposed to be played. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They do what they're supposed to do on special teams. They don't get stupid with their play calling. They know exactly who they are, and they stick true to that. And they did that against Nebraska and earned me the win. So um, definitely uh, can feel good about that. Northwestern, a lot like Iowa to be honest with you. And, uh, again, again, they didn't stray outside of who they were and uh, ran with them on that. So got that one and then uh, took the loss with uh, with Stanford late. So two and one. Looks like we're running out of yeah, time Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with that two and one. I was, I was the opposite <laughs> of you. I went one and two. So I'm not real mm-hmm. thrilled about myself in college. Uh, I, for some reason, thought Marshall uh, in a big game in their conference with, with Western Kentucky would hang with them on Friday. They got ten points. Uh, they were nowhere near it. They got they got blown out, and really from the jump. So that was just I, I don't know what Marshall did there. They they were a lot better all year than what they showed Friday. Um, Oregon, I can't figure that team out. Um, somehow, uh, after looking like world beaters against my Trojans, they came and, and played a 52-42 game with Oregon State. And yes, I know I just said I throw the records out for rivalry weekend. But Oregon State, I don't know if they scored 42 points. I didn't look in their last five games before this. Mm. I mean, they were getting beat yeah. like 49-3, nothing, And they they literally had 600 yards of offense, Oregon did, and they had to hang on to win this game. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. So you ended up 1-2. and two. Uh, I was 2-1. Yeah, Notre Dame was my winner. I just I didn't yep. feel that they would get blown out of that game, so. All right, we're running out of time here. We didn't get a chance to get to Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Michigan State. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Warren Sapp's on with us. Be back on with us tomorrow at 10 a.m. See you then. Gridiron Set Show. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be.